back for another episode what's up v you're in la this week you're all over the place man can't stop won't stop (laughs) how was the uh how's the time zone difference feeling you were in uh you were in muggy dark new york then you went to ohio and now you're in bright beautiful la i've hit all the i've hit all the uh the timelines did a bit in uh, ohio on the way here too so and then uh, in Houston for a couple of days. So it's been kind of a whirlwind, but I've been in every time zone. Uh, it's nice to be back out in L.A. It's not as warm as I thought it would be uh, yet. But, uh, you know, in the city of dreams and nightmares. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> we had like um, a pretty interesting weekend when it comes to uh, NBA news, when it comes to, well, I think first we should... Started off with um, the news that dropped Friday was John Moran's suspension. I don't think this was out of the realm of anything that we expected a 25 game suspension. Um, But what is newsworthy about that to me is that the rules are out of contention for any sort of all NBA uh, awards. Yeah, I mean... It's funny, like, uh, this suspension kind of polarized... Um, basketball fans and society, anybody who cares about this storyline, it's like it was almost like a can't win. On one side, people said it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't long enough. On the other, people said it was too long for uh, the transgression that actually uh, occurred. Uh, I think overall, this was a, a, a punitive uh, suspension. I think twenty-five games is fair. Because he did not actually commit a crime or do anything um, illegal. He just tarnished uh, the brand name of the NBA and then also misled uh, the NBA offices after the first incident um, that occurred, saying that he had made significant changes um, in the initial suspension for him to do the same thing again. I think this is more than fair. but more important than the suspension or not suspension is figuring out what's going on with this kid and how to get him uh, to check in and understand how to discipline himself and and act like an adult um, and a professional that's required of him. Yeah, I totally agree. And I hope that, you know, he has this opportunity this summer to just start to figure things out and um, figure out, I mean, the, just the responsibility that comes with being in the league. And I think like, what I was talking to somebody about, I was actually in Memphis uh, this weekend. So it was interesting to be there when this all was going down, chatting with actually a friend of mine that works for the Grizzlies and um, just kind of hearing their perspective. Obviously, the city loves Ja. Everybody there was behind him. Um, but at the same time, I think everybody also understood that, you know, you want to get to you want to get $200 million a year. Like there's different rules that apply to you. And if you want you know, same rules as everybody else, you're going to get paid the same as everybody else. And that that's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is. I mean, the commissioner of the league has, has the right um, to, to exact this type of punishment. I think he was fair. Um, 
and knew that this wasn't going to necessarily please everyone. But 25 games of an 82-game season is pretty significant. Um, and, how, and I think if this doesn't lead to change for him, the, the game actually being taken away from him and, the, and, and not being there for his teammates, then nothing will solve this problem. It's, it's a deeper issue um, than immaturity at that point. Yeah, 100%. You know, there were a couple other headlines. Let's start with one of the one of the smaller ones, but a funny one. Um, Carl Anthony Towns went on uh, Pat Beverly's podcast last week and said some things that have had him just basically universally mocked on social media. Um, One of the one of the kind of main inflammatory statements that I wanted to mention with you is that he said that their play in win last year was more impressive than Denver's championship this year. What's, <laughs> what's your reflection on that, V? I've never been too big of a Carl Anthony Towns fan, not because he doesn't have the talent, but it was very clear even when Jimmy Butler was there that this guy has, it's kind of a softy, you know? Um, and then this shows that he's got delusions of grandeur uh, too, in the sense that you really... Um, or that delusional that you would make a statement like that. Um, it probably explains why Minnesota can't win and why they're looking to trade him uh, this offseason. I think they have a dog in Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns is, is a sublime talent, but mentally doesn't seem to be uh, have the toughness that's required to be a great, great NBA player and a great leader. Yeah, I think so too. The other statement he's been getting getting run around for is saying that he felt that when he retired that people would be saying he changed the game. And a lot of people were saying, "Which game? Are you talking about basketball or are we talking about Call of Duty?" <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, I mean, do something with your career and do something with to to earn those accolades. You know, we can all call ourselves great. And this is, this is the thing that I think needs to be understood about greatness. It bothers me when any player says these things, you know, let others tell you how great you are. Let your resume dictate how great you are. Don't call yourself the GOAT. Don't call yourself someone who's going to change the game, um, especially when you haven't done it. That makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's not like he's a bad player. He's a, definitely a great player. He's going to have a great career in the NBA. But, you know, I mean, to your point, like to change the game, you actually have to, first of all, change the game. And second of all, probably win. Yeah. And if, if Carl Anthony Towns succeeds in changing the game, the NBA is going to be much weaker with the type of attitude and statements he's making. <laughs> <laughs> moving forward from that one um i wanted to call this one out because uh you know it's such an amazing amazing player lou williams just announced his retirement from the nba uh lou will as he's affectionately affectionately known atlanta legend la legend toronto legend just like one of honestly one of my favorite cultural figures to to ever play in the nba um man i'm gonna miss him like his game was one of those street street ball kind of inspired games where it's like give me the ball i can make things happen like never really looked like his body mechanics were like anybody else on the court either but he just had a nasty way of being able to move around the court and he's lethal uh he was able to turn on 
and get buckets when you needed him to. So a fantastic sixth man and, you know, somebody I think who, who will be missed and represent that, that previous older era of basketball. Yeah, I think, you know, the guys like him and Jamal Crawford specifically, uh, they extended um, the game that Allen Iverson brought. Um, and, and obviously both of them were influenced by that. But when I think of either one of those guys, I think of the other. And both of them have left an indelible impact uh, on the game um, and with their unique style and they're also just their unique personas. Yeah, absolutely. He, he will be missed. Um, you know, another, another kind of short headline. Um, I thought this was interesting. Draymond declining his player option at Golden State, requesting basically that he get a contract extension to match Steph's, but obviously he signed a clutch. So they're going to be shopping the other markets as well. And I did read that Memphis was interested in Draymond. Um, two questions for you, V. One, I mean, I think we all feel that he'll resign to the Warriors, but probably would resign for less than his current contract is. Um, what do you? What, what would you price Draymond at? And then second, is a personality like his what a team like Memphis would need to get their act together and really play to their potential? I honestly think that a personality like Draymond's um, fits with a team like Golden State. I think it's a mistake on both sides to to not patch things up here because I don't think there's any team in which Draymond will be able to make the same type of impact that he can make with the Warriors. Um, obviously, there's toughness. There's different things. Um, there's a rumor going around that he wants to go back to Detroit um, and and help that team out. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. Opting out doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving Golden State. Opting out means that he's looking for a long-term contract, and we'll see who steps up to the plate. But we've seen this happen many times before where a player who's an, a great fit on a team um, goes somewhere else um, because they don't feel valued or takes more money um, and then realizes that it's not as good of a situation um, and then, you know, their basketball career dwindles. I think that in, in this situation, you know, hopefully Dray- Draymond seems like a pretty smart guy. He'll figure it out. He can make more than enough money off the court and is making enough money off the court where he could take less and, and come back to Golden State. But it's also within his rights to say, hey, I'm at the tail end of my career. I'm about to make as much money as I possibly can. And whoever pays me the most, I'll go there. Yeah, well said. Well said. I think um, I think he'll probably stay at Golden State, but it is worth noting that Golden State had their their president of basketball operations, I believe his name is Bob Myers, um, step down uh, recently. Just just wanted to retire, and there is a lot of changes happening over at Golden State, especially in the front office. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's a lot going on um, over there, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they, they recently hired Mike Dunleavy Jr. to replace uh, Bob Myers as a GM. It seems on paper, it seems like that was a very good hire. So we'll see what happens with Golden State. There's there's some issues there. I think more, the more likely scenario that I see coming out of this is Jordan Poole getting traded if they can find a team that can give um, measurable value for him and they'll keep Draymond. The other thing that I, I think is interesting, which we've talked about before, is 
Draymond creating the cap space plus the opportunity, like you're saying, for a Jordan Poole trade, if they were to do a contract dump with it, creates the room to bring LeBron to Golden State, something we know he would he would very much appreciate. I think it's it's honestly super likely that LeBron does not put on a Lakers jersey next year. I see LeBron playing somewhere other than L.A. Do you have any sort of sense around this? Um, n- no, I don't. Uh, I don't see LeBron going anywhere but L.A. Um, but you know what? What I what I do see happening here is. LA making some sort of move to satisfy him. Uh, I think they are probably going to lose Austin Reeves uh, just because of the the cap situation and what they can pay versus what others can pay. But, you know, they will, this team is built to please LeBron James at this point because they're tied so closely with him and AD with their contracts that they have. Um, And I don't know what the market is for LeBron James at this point. If they're going to get, the value that they want back unless it's a team that's right there on the precipice. You know, what team, like, I don't know if he's a cultural fit with, with the heat, for example, like I don't see where the fit is or rumors about the, 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 the Mavericks. I don't think that that can work with him and Luca. It's just, I just see him finishing out his career in LA unless of course something happens on the, over there in Cleveland um, where a move is made, you know? Yeah. I just don't see like from my perspective, I don't see LA making the moves necessary to be able to compete. And I think at this point, like the mental side of that game has probably got to be harder for LeBron than the physical, like doing the travel, being away from his kids. You know, they're getting older now. He probably is starting to feel like that, that psychological toll. Of, Do I want to keep doing this to this extent? And at the same time, like seeing how good Denver was like, it's going to be hard for LA to field a team that could beat them. Yeah. I mean, Mike Malone is, is it just goes to show you what, you know, where we're at, you know, the expectation for LeBron James to be the same player at 38 that he was at 28 um, needs to start shifting uh, a little bit. Um, I know Mike Malone got made some comments. LeBron responded to them, but that shows you like, He's not feared. That team is not feared by the Denver Nuggets at all, or Mike Malone wouldn't make those comments. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I said it throughout the postseason. I know Lakers fans and Lakers Nation were excited that the Lakers made it as far as they did, but I think that was the, the culmination of a lot of things going on in the Western Conference. Um, both Memphis and Golden State were dealing with some issues um, serious issues off the court and there are broken teams. Um, I think that really benefited the Lakers, but if you really thought they were the second best team, um, in the West when all teams were optimal, I don't think that that's the case. You know, I think if they would have run into the Suns, they would have lost to the Suns. If they would have run into the Kings, they would have lost to the Kings. It's, it's definitely an interesting, um, an interesting set of matchups in the West, especially to your point with healthy folks. Now we have another complicating factor. Bradley Beal just got traded to Phoenix, which makes them, um, in my view, a much better team. They did give up Chris Paul in that trade. And I don't know if Chris Paul will end up staying in Washington or if he'll get waived and end up signing somewhere else. Um, but that could be a, a potential, you know, either Lakers or Clippers target to help round out their teams. 
Um, first of all, Bradley Beal in Phoenix. Is this going to work with him, Booker, and KD all side by side? Um, the question isn't, is it going to work? Um, the question is that the Suns had already basically had a situation happening with an aging Chris Paul at a max contract, and they swapped it out in the best possible way that they could. And I do think that the Suns are going to be a very dangerous team when you have four all-star caliber players. Cameron Payne is a good point guard. They'll be able to get some guys. It's always going to be about the bench. They'll be able to get some guys on the vet minimum. Um, Health is also an issue. Bradley Beal has missed quite a few games over the last few seasons. KD has as well. But when you talk about those three guys and the matchup nightmares they present on a nightly basis, um, this team is going to be the second best team in the West um, this year. Now, if they can, can they overcome a Denver team that goes, you know, that's as, as, as deep and as connected as that Denver team? I don't know, but you know, let's, let's, let's let this thing play out. And with what they had to give up to get him, this was a, a, a miraculous move pulled off um, by, by the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see if they keep DeAndre Ayton or if they try to do something there too, because I think that I think it could go either way. I think for a team like Phoenix, I agree with you, depth is going to be a big deal. But even with Bradley Beal, even with their current roster, even if you add a little bit of depth, I still don't see if if Denver is the same team next year as they were this year, I just don't see anybody in the West really being able to compete with them. Oh, I mean that's that's obviously the case. I mean the 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 best competitive competitive matchup is a healthy golden state a mentally checked in golden state but i do think when you get three guys that can fill the bucket like like the suns can um if they stay healthy they're going to be tough to beat i do think denver's still better but you know i i think that this is an extension of i think a lot of people sleep on how good bradley beal actually is um, and he's always been the focal point of that Washington offense. Now he's going to get he's going to get the third defensive assignment in every game that they play. Um, and if you're not scoring on you know 130 points, you're not beating this team. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll see how how it plays out. We'll also see how it plays out on the defensive end. But you know they always say like you have to always put context to a situation. Considering where the Phoenix Suns were um, prior to the Bradley Beal trade, I don't think anybody expected them to be able to get replace Chris Paul with a player of of Bradley Beal's caliber. So overall, it's a win, and if nothing else, you know games are going to be sold out whenever they play. You know, and I think yeah. they they can do what the potentially do what the Miami Heat did when they had Bosch, uh, Bosch, LeBron and Wade fill it up with a lot of good veteran players. They might be able to do it, you know? Yeah. I think for, for these guys, the trick is going to be to just fill their pocket with rebounders. They've got all the shooting, all the scoring they need, right? Like maybe one more three and D guy, but everybody else just needs to rebound and get the ball right back into the hands of KD Booker or Beal. Like these guys are nuts. I agree with you and scoring. 
it'll be fun to watch. And yeah, Aiton, we'll see how he needs to step his game up. Um, but you know, they may trade him, but his value might not be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. He's like him and Jordan Poole. I put them in the same category. It's like, you don't know when they're playing really well, they're really great, but you don't know what you're going to get because they both have shown a regression over the past season. Um, that's pretty troubling. Yeah. I think that's the challenge with Aiden is that his, his ceiling is quite high because of how he's built, you know, how his, his skill sets he brings to the game, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like it's really come together the right way in Phoenix for him. So the change of scenery could, could be something that he needs to really get to that next stage. Maybe a younger team, maybe a, a, a team where he'll get more possessions to really be able to work on his skill in in-game scenarios. Yeah, definitely. 100%. 100%. Um, the other thing that's been cooking in the background is Damian Lillard. Law, always rumors around him. Um, but from all the reports that are coming out, Miami seems to be singularly focused on getting Damian Lillard to the heat. Yeah, the singular focus doesn't seem to work because it isn't going to work because it seems like the Portland Trailblazers are like... Um, you're going to have to give us Bam, and the Heat are not going to are not going to trade Bam for for Damian Lillard. Um, I don't see that happening because of how important Bam is in so many different elements um, for that team, um, and it showed in the playoffs. Um, Jimmy is the heart of that team. Bam is the best all around player on that team, not necessarily scoring, but he is the glue. Um, of that team, he can defend four positions, five if if need be yep. at times. Um, it has a great mid range game. Also can play back to the post. Can shoot. Can can extend a little bit. Like it won't. Ma- and he's in. He's not, and Damian Lillard's on the the tail end of his career. I could see a Tyler Hero, multiple draft picks, couple other guys. But if Portland's insistent on getting Bam, that deal's not happening. Yeah. Would you trade Harrow and Lowry for Lillard? Oh, Maybe yeah. a Anybody else on that roster, I'm, I'm, I'm shipping off to get <laughs> Lillard, you know, with the exception of, of, I, I'm not personally not a big fan of Tyler Hero's game, but he's, he's another one that I think is like a Jordan Poole. Like he started to play well this past season, but then he might disappear again next season. You know what I mean? It's just, it's he's a very very good player, but like I don't again I I look for certain types of players with certain types of mental strength, and I just don't see it. he's just a really really good basketball player, um, but I don't know if he's the guy that's like fits into that Heat culture the way a lot yeah. of those other guys have. Yeah, true. Um, I also wanted to read you this list of uh, this was a list I found online of all the star teammates that Kevin Durant has had. Um, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Kyrie, James Harden twice, um, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal. And that KD is, is living the dream out here. He's playing with all the Team USA guys on all their teams. Yeah, I mean, people are giving KD a hard time about this, but I mean, I really want to ask, how is it different than what LeBron has done? You know, how is it different than, okay, it's not about how teams are constructed. How is it different than what Steph has had at Golden State, right? Like the team was constructed differently, but 
you know, Steph has Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. At one point, he had Kevin Durant. He's had Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. You know, our our guy D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. He's he's had studs. Um, Sean Livingston. There have been studs that have gone through that team, and I think people just love to villainize KD because of his Twitter persona and how 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 much he enjoys um, addressing his haters. But I, I think this is overblown here a little bit. Every great player of that era chased rings and built super teams. You know, so. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of being really talented at something is wanting to play alongside really talented people. Otherwise, it's not that fun when your team is not talented and you have to do it all by yourself and nobody understands the game. So I I get it. Like, I don't think I don't think there's anybody out here that would be doing it different if they were KD. Yeah. And the thing that I don't think KD gets enough credit for is how good of a teammate he is. Like in that Golden State scenario and in the OKC scenario and in the Brooklyn scenario, KD is willing to share uh, the spotlight and share the attention uh, more than a play. most players that have come along of his caliber. Um, and so, you know, this I get it. It's fun. But I really do think they got to put a little bit more respect on KD's name than than the circus media circus puts on him. Yeah, straight up, straight up. Always shout out KD. Um, man, I mean, I think I think that's the end of of you know all the NBA news. Um, I was curious. I know you had this opportunity to go to Ohio State's training facility as we prep for this upcoming season. Um, what was the vibe like? Like, first of all, what's the facility like? And what was the vibe like at the training facility? I mean, the Woody Hayes Athletic Complex, if you want to know why um, certain college programs are at a different level, um, visit one of these elite programs that you see at the college football playoff level every year. Um, You're talking about world-class facility. If I was a 19-year-old college kid, I would not leave there. I would not leave there to go back to my apartment, you know, (laughs) multiple treatment centers, multiple activities. You can go play basketball. You can play video games. There's a barber shop in the, in the facility itself. Uh, There's, there's a movie, there's a movie theater um, for the kids. Um, Any therapy that you would want and need trainers uh, there at all times. Um, It's just a, a, a really, really, um, powerful, powerful facility. And what you also see is like how much branding matters. You know, if you walk through the Woody Hayes Center, you see the entire history of Ohio State football. All the Heisman trophies are are, are prominently placed and you'll never know who you're going to run into walking around. You know, we ran into Archie Griffin. He was walking out as we were walking in, you know, we ran into Ryan day. And what was interesting was that it was an off day, but the energy overall within the Ohio state program, it it seems that they're preaching something that's important, something that we talked about um, with the coaches um, specifically um, was that, element of it that last year was a letdown specifically in core areas that historically have never let Ohio State down with the corners and the safeties um, both coaches the safeties coach and the, the corners coach are very aware that 
what happened last year is not acceptable again, but then also the toughness element, right? Like you're not, Jim Harbaugh is not a good football coach, but what's happening in each of these games is that they are coming out and being the tougher team. And I'm making that statement because you can look at the last, we posted the meme, six, the last six bowl games, when Jim Harbaugh leaves the big 10 and has to go play, he loses every one of those games. So what's happening is a game late in November in the cold, those guys are playing tougher than our guys. And so that seems to be the theme of the season. Um, toughness, toughness, toughness. Um, and, and guys are locked in. You know, it was an off day. They All the players had off days. But you saw Travion Henderson in there working out. You saw Kyle McCord in there getting treatment. You saw the DBs in there getting work um, and sitting down and watching film. There's a lot going on, and it seems like the players really are locked in. We'll see how how that translates onto the field. It's exciting to hear, man, especially because, you know, I think I think fans were left with a lot of questions going into the season. It's almost like a feels like almost a complete overhaul in terms of the team and the identity. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I'm excited to see how they present in this season. We posted the schedule uh, on our Pilot Boys Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I'm so glad the Big Ten got rid of their conferences this year and just put the good teams on on our schedule. Because, like, I want to see how we play. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll just read off the schedule. But, I mean, dude, like... It's it's no joke. It's straight up back to back game. Good game, good game, good game, good game. So it goes. I mean, outside of the first ones, you got Notre Dame, Maryland, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota, Michigan, all back to back. That's how we close out the schedule. That's a good schedule. That's a great schedule for being in the Big Ten, and especially with the conferences consolidating and all the all the other things moving around in the rest of college football. That's a schedule I would like to see every year for a team like Ohio State because we saw what happens when your competition isn't good through the season. You're not, you know, iron sharpens iron. You're not tough enough by the end of the year to be able to win these games. And I think like when they split the Big Ten into two divisions, we lost a couple of those tougher matchups that we get every single season. It, it, I, I feel that when you look at the team that we produce by the end of the year, they lacked a couple of those decisive tough games that build the mental fortitude to be able to be the team that we're used to seeing come end of season. I think it's, it's a very good thing to see the schedule. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, there's a lot of people say, Oh yeah. You know, there were people are saying we're too hard on the program. It's not about being too hard and expectations being too high. It's very clear, even in the building. And if you talk to the coaches, Ohio State, you know, Georgia did not beat Ohio State in that game. Ohio State lost that game. And they know that and they feel that because if they would have just closed out the game when they got ahead early, then Ohio State would be the national champions. TCU had no chance. The only powerful team, power five team that they were going to beat is Michigan because it was so, it's just... that really irks me because it's just like Jim Harbaugh is not a good coach. They do not in game. They do not coach very well. And that's the other part of it. Those two matchups, they need there. It's not because Michigan is a better football team. 
It's not because Georgia was a better football team. It's because Ohio State did not play up to their level of potential. And that's why we're disappointed as fans and as as media. It's not about if they would have finished 11 and 2 and they wouldn't have been as good as they are and shown how good they were in that Georgia game, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the the I think the criticism is fair. They're accepting it and 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 taking ownership of it and have a chip on their shoulder going into this season. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited to get this season started. I, I can't wait till August and uh, you know, until then we'll keep covering any of this off season news and you know, anything else going on that we feel like talking about, but man, um, stoked about it. I'm glad you, you got the opportunity to go into the facility, meet with some of the guys and really be able to share those insights on the pod here for our listeners. Um, amazing opportunities and you know um, I think as always just want to remind everyone to stay moving be you you as fly pilot boys out pilot boys